0: Yeah, so that guy sitting down there on the, on the video is Mike Donnelly, uh, he's on staff, we don't actually know what he does, but uh, he's, he's funny to look at on occasion, we make fun of him a little bit. But hey, welcome everybody, uh, at all of our campuses, meeting throughout the Twin Cities today, so glad you made it to church, and also those of you who are joining us online, we know you're out there, about 15,000 of you, every weekend dialed in around the country and globe, so we know you're a part of our congregation, welcome to all of you. You know, yesterday in Minnesota, it was 71 degrees. The first time we hit 71 in like eight months. So my, my wife mowed the grass, and it really didn't need mowing, but she likes the fumes, and just it just gets her going. So uh, it's always good to be able to mow the grass the first time, at least to watch my wife do it is always great. We are in a series called Hey God, and we're trying to identify questions that people often ask about God, like, God, are you real? Or is the Bible trustworthy, or is there only one way to heaven? And that last question, is there only one way to heaven, is actually the most divisive question of all of them that we're asking. The majority of Americans still believe in God. About 90% of all Americans say they believe in God. It's not controversial in our country or even in our world to believe in God, but it is controversial to say that there's only one way to heaven. Many people believe today that all roads lead to heaven, whether it's the road of Christianity, Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism, Mormonism, or a mix of several, as long as you're sincere, people will say, it really doesn't matter what you believe. But is that true? Are there many ways to God and heaven? Well, you should know that Jesus didn't say so. These are the words of Jesus Christ, he said, Look, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. He said, nobody, no one gets to heaven except through me. Now, most people like Jesus. They, don't, they just don't like that he claimed to be the only way to heaven. It's what got him into trouble, actually, and eventually killed. People were offended when he said things like that. On the other hand, while people were offended by those kind of things, they're not offended at all when we say that there's only one way to land a Boeing 737 or there's only one way to perform brain surgery or to brew the perfect cup of coffee. They hope the pilot, the surgeon, and the barista are one-way kinds of people who do it the same way every time. You know, we in Minnesota have some of the best hospitals in the world and just 90 miles away from us in Rochester is the Mayo Clinic and it's number one in the world. And presidents around the world and and nation, heads of state from other countries, fly in for annual checkups and the most difficult cases end up at the Mayo Clinic for treatment by the finest doctors on the planet. You might imagine then how thrilled and actually terrified our son-in-law, Nellie, was when he found out that he would be doing his first year of surgical residency at the Mayo Clinic. I'll never forget asking him about this. He said, Bob, the first night, I felt like I shouldn't be there. He said, I was clueless about where to go, what to do. I stood in the hallway with my new scrubs and stethoscope around my neck, looking for a friendly face or someone to help me out. He said, I finally found the room where I was supposed to go, but nobody was there. Eventually, a physician's assistant came in who, with no instructions, handed me a list of 40 patients, 14 surgeon pagers, and the trauma pager. Nellie said, in a matter of 24 hours, I went from walking our dog and doing nothing to having 40 patients and 15 pagers at the Mayo Clinic. He said, five minutes into my first shift, the trauma pager went off with a level one severity, an ATV accident, I was so overwhelmed, I wanted to cry. Somehow he muddled through that first night. Four months later, he was on call one night and there was an emergency appendectomy that came in and patients don't know if you're a first year resident or a seasoned surgeon. You know, you show up and so Nellie ran down the hall, suddenly he was faced with a surgery that he had never done before. I mean, he'd closed a few surgeries, he'd made a few stitches, but this was the real thing, real time. I said, what'd you do? And this is a direct quote, he said, I got on YouTube, no kidding, I got on YouTube and typed in how to remove an appendix. He said, I took some notes, scrubbed up, and dove in. I said, you're kidding me. He said, no, I said, how'd it go? He said, amazingly well. He said, you make three small incisions, feed the camera through, cut the appendix away from the colon wall, staple it up, and that's it. (laughs) Be very careful when you go into the emergency room. Now, before, (laughs) before you get concerned, Mayo is a teaching hospital, so there was a staff surgeon standing behind him, walking him through the whole thing. But my point is, there aren't five ways to move an appendix. There's only one way. You know, if I needed open heart surgery, here's what I'd want. I would want a 50-year-old surgeon who'd done it 3,000 times before with a near-perfect record. I don't want a first-year rookie who's offended by by one-way thinking and wants to poke around and experiment with a few things. Same thing with landing a jet. I want pilots like Sully Sullenberger, who when both engines failed on takeoff over New York City, i all remember this story when the birds flew into the engines, he knew based on years of experience there was only one way to survive, and that was to land that jet on the Hudson River. There wasn't three ways. There wasn't two ways. There was only one way to save all 150 souls that day. Every time I fly, and I'm a nervous flyer, I clutch the grips and I'm you know just nervous as all get out. Every time I fly, I thank God for pilots who are one way kinds of people who aim for that runway and land that jet the same way every single time. I don't want them messing around. I want them to go one way. The only time I went skydiving, and I'll never do it again, but the only time I went skydiving, I was strapped to the chest of a guy named Joe. Joe loved his beer, very proud of his beer, who before we jumped out of a plane at 13,000 feet, this is what he said, Bob, there's only one way to do this or we both die. That's what he said. And they kind of have a sick sense of humor, so this is what he also said. He said, if the chute doesn't open, the last thing to go through your mind will be my skull. (laughs) That's what he said to me. My, My whole life was in the hands of Joe. Joe was the way, the truth, the life. There was only one way through this thing, and that was through this guy, Joe. Now, I bring this up because there's many things in life where there's only one way, and to choose a different way leads to disaster, so I want to back up to Jesus' statement. This is what he said. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, no one comes to the Father except through me. Now, if Jesus was wrong, then he was the most deceitful, most deluded person to ever live, but if he was right, He's the most loving person who ever lived, who has led and saved billions of people to truth in heaven. So briefly, I wanna look at three tensions that we all have to wrestle with. Three tensions to to determine whether there's one way to heaven or many ways to heaven. The first tension is this, between tolerance and truth. This is so important. There is a tension today between tolerance and truth. truth. Huge difference between these two. Now, we should be tolerant and respectful of religious differences. But I am telling you, being tolerant and respectful of religious differences does not mean they are all true. Tolerance does not equal truth. Uh, Ravi Zacharias, brilliant thinker, was born in India, was raised a Hindu, but then he studied world religions. He became a Christian because of the overwhelming evidence of the death and resurrection of Jesus. And then he devoted his entire life to writing about religious truth. Look at Ravi Zachariah says about this truth cannot be sacrificed on the altar of tolerance. Some beliefs are false, and we know them to be false. To deem all religions equally true is sheer nonsense for the simple fact that they're, they radically contradict each other. What he's saying is tolerance does not make something true. Neither does sincerity. You can sincerely believe in something and be sincerely wrong. For example, our Mormon friends, and I'm not meaning to be humorous in what I'm about to say, But our Mormon friends sincerely believe, catch this, sincerely believe that God was at one time a human being who now lives with his many wives on a mysterious planet who produces billions of spirit children. Let me repeat that. Mormons sincerely believe, you can read it in the Book of Mormon, that God was once a human who now lives with his many wives on a mysterious planet where he produces billions of spirit children. Is there any evidence for this? None. It's all based on a revelation that a man, Joseph Smith, supposedly had in upstate New York in 1820. It's all it's based on. Uh, seven years ago, I interviewed the top-ranking Mormon bishop here in Minnesota, Richard Helverson. And he told me on camera that the only way for us to get to heaven is to be baptized in the Mormon church. This is fundamental Mormon belief. I said, but look, I, I'm, a, I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm a Christian pastor. Jesus Christ is my Savior. I've been baptized in our church. Are you saying I'm out He said, you have to be baptized in the Mormon church and become a Mormon. I said, will I go to hell if I don't? He chose his words very carefully and then he said this, the only way to heaven is to be baptized in the Mormon church, but if you don't do that, you will be given a second chance when two Mormon missionaries visit you in hell and then you choose to be baptized. I said, look, are you saying because I wanted to get this straight, I wanted him to repeat it over and over. Are you saying the only way for me to get to heaven is to follow the teachings of Joseph Smith, be baptized in the Mormon church, and strive to become a God myself, which is fundamental to Mormon belief as well? He said, yes, that is the only way. All based on an unsubstantiated revelation that a guy, Joseph Smith, had in upstate New York in 1820. All that to say, Mormons are some of the most sincere people you will ever meet. We should love them. We should respect them. We should show great tolerance for their beliefs, but I am telling you, gang, tolerance does not make something true. It's a tension you gotta wrestle with. Second tension is the one between many roads And one road the idea that all religions lead to heaven, by the way, is very popular in our pluralistic culture today. Uh, And those who actually say there's only one way are often labeled as being narrow-minded and even bigoted. It's why Jesus got into trouble because he said things like this, broad is the road that leads to destruction. Broad is that road. Many people are walking the road that leads to destruction. But then he said, narrow It's a very narrow road that leads to life, and there's only a few. That's why it seems lonely sometimes as a Christian to be walking this road following Christ. There's only a few who find that road. So what is it? Is it many roads or one road? Let me approach this tension by doing a brief comparison of the three leading religions in the world today, Hinduism, Islam, and Christianity. And my purpose is simply to show that all roads can't possibly lead to heaven because they are so radically different from each other. In fact, if just one of these roads is true, the other, the other two absolutely have to be wrong because they're so different and opposite. So according to his Hinduism, there's actually no heaven at all. They don't believe in a heaven nor is there a supreme God. In fact, in Hinduism, everything's a God. You're a God, every one of you. I'm a God. Cats are God. We all know that's not true. Cats believe they're God. But everything is a potential God in Hinduism. The seat you're sitting in is a potential God. It's pantheism, everything is a God. So let's say I come to a Hindu priest and say, look, how can I gain heaven? Where do I, how do I get to heaven when I die? And the fundamental belief in Hinduism is reincarnation. That when you die, you will somehow, I don't know where this came from, but somehow be reborn into another person, animal, plant, or insect, depending on how good or bad you were. Dale Maharaj says this, Hindus believe in reincarnation, which means that before my human birth, I had thousands of other births in different bodies. When I die, I'll be reborn into a lower creature or be elevated. Liberation or nirvana or a heaven-like experience comes if I can stop that cycle and finally be separated from my body. We don't understand what that is, but it's just kind of this mysterious separation from your body. How do I achieve liberation? How do I achieve this mysterious separation or nirvana? According to Louis Renau, Hindu scholar, Hindus can attain liberation by keeping vows, giving alms to gods, even self-torture. But most Hindus have a common destiny. Due to their carnal nature, they are continually reborn into a lower condition ultimately as an animal or insect. There is no heaven. There is no supreme God. You are caught in a cycle of reincarnation of different life forms that could include animals, insects, trees, stars, or even dirt. I mean, no disrespect to the Hindu religion. But honestly, the earthworm that I ran over last night going home from church could have been my Aunt Betty. Honestly, who died 50 years ago, depending on how good or bad she was. There's about a billion Hindus and Buddhists on earth today who believe that there is no heaven, no personal God who created them and desires a relationship with them. Islam, there's no such thing as a personal God who loves you or values you or wants a relationship with you in Islam. The God of Islam is impersonal, can't be known. Muslims believe that Jesus was one of the prophets, but they do not believe that he was the son of God who came to earth, died for your sins and mine, and now reigns supremely as God and with God in heaven. First words heard by a Muslim baby and recited every single day are, there is no God but Allah, and Muhammad is God's prophet. When it comes to salvation, Islam teaches you must earn it. There is no savior. There's no forgiveness of sins. You must earn your way to heaven. How do you earn your way to heaven? By keeping the five pillars, reciting the creed, praying five times a day, facing Mecca, giving alms to the poor, fasting for 30 days during the month of Ramadan every single year, and making a pilgrimage to Mecca, but you never know if you've done enough to earn your way to God. According to the Quran, by the way, all non-Muslims are called infidels, which includes most, maybe all of us, and are doomed to hell. There are 1.8 billion Muslims in the world today who believe there is no personal God, no forgiveness of sin, and will never know if they're good enough to get in. Christianity, in contrast to Hinduism, which uh, has no supreme God, and Islam, whose God is unloving and unknown. Christianity teaches that there's only one true God who invites every human being into a personal relationship with him That he loves every person on the planet and that his love was demonstrated by sending his son Jesus who died for our sins and then rose from the dead. Jesus said it this way. He said, look, I am the resurrection. I am the life. Key word, those who believe in me will live even though they die. Only Jesus could say that. Only Jesus died for sins and overcame death. Not Muhammad, not Buddha, Gandhi, or Joseph Smith. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life, and he offers this same gift to anyone who will receive it. Today there are about 2.2 billion Christians on the planet. It's the largest uh, faith uh, group in the world. But again, my point is that if any one of those roads is right, The other two are absolutely wrong. It just makes no sense. It's not intellectually honest to say that all roads lead to heaven. Final tension is between uh, this word inclusive and exclusive. You know, people will say, isn't it arrogant for Christians to claim exclusivity? Well, first of all, Christians didn't claim that. Jesus did. You know, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to heaven except through me. So we don't claim that. Jesus did. But second, Christianity isn't the only religion that claims exclusivity. Again, in Islam, if you don't worship Allah and adhere to the five pillars, you are considered an infidel and bound for hell. Mormons are absolutely exclusive. If you're not born and baptized in the Mormon church, you're out and you can only be rescued by two Mormon missionaries who will visit you in hell. Hinduism is exclusive in nature in its belief in reincarnation that there's no supreme God. It's simply untrue that only Christians claim an exclusive way to heaven. But, but here's the question of the day. This is the question that we all have to think about. What if there is only one way What if Jesus was right? That all humanity is hopelessly lost in sin and all of us face a death that we have no solution for. But out of his infinite mercy, God sent his son Jesus to pay for our sins and overcome our death. What if the Bible is true that says God so loves this world It's not that God just created this world and everything in it just said, good luck. But God so loves this world. He so loves every person here, knows your name, that he sent his only son, that whoever, it's inclusive, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. If that's true, That is the most inclusive, most loving act the world has ever known. If Jesus provided a way, the only way to forgiveness and eternal life, gang, wouldn't that be the most loving, most inclusive news the world could ever know? The Bible says God is patient. He doesn't want anyone to perish. But God wants everyone, it's inclusive, God wants everyone to come, key word, to repentance. Repentance means I'm heading in one direction and I do 180 degree and I now place my faith in Jesus Christ as my savior, as my Lord. And I confess my sins and I I determine to follow him for the rest of my life. It means the door is wide open It's through Jesus Christ. It's the most inclusive thing God has ever done. Remember the story in 2010: 33 Chile miners, Chilean miners, they got trapped three miles below, three miles below the Earth's surface for 69 days. 69 days of utter darkness, darkness they could feel. You know what they did? They got on their knees. They confessed their sins. They repented of their sins. They put their trust in Christ, and they prayed that Jesus would save them. Then 17 days later, after the collapse, a small drill wormed its way three miles through rock, and it broke through. And the miners attached a small note that said they were still alive, but they were desperate. That was followed by 48 more days of darkness and fear because they were buried three miles below with no promise of rescue. But then, after six weeks of constant drilling, a metal capsule called the Phoenix was threaded down this three-mile tunnel that broke through to their rocky grave. You know what the miners did? They each one got into the capsule. Not one of them said, I don't like this idea. I don't like this capsule. I'm claustrophobic. I'm gonna trust that there's going to be another way. I'm gonna wait it out. Not a single miner. Said that. Each one of them got inside. There was no other way. There was only one way out of that grave. And each one of those miners made the choice to step into that capsule to be saved. The Bible says that Jesus is the only one who broke through and overcame death. It says he is the way, the truth, and the life, and the door is wide open to every single human being. By the way, if you think there's another way, what is that way? What is the way? And and how would you know? Because here's what I believe. I believe every single human being has chosen a way. All of us are on a way. Even if you've chosen not to follow a way, you have chosen a way. So if Jesus is not the way, which is the way? I can tell you from the core of my being that I have chosen Jesus Christ as the way, the truth, and the life as my only hope. Based on his life and his death and his resurrection, I live every single day. I don't know if you do. Many of you do. I live every single day knowing that my sins are forgiven by a savior who loves me and paid for my debt and set me free. I don't know how people live with the guilt and shame of sin. I have the assurance that when I die, and by the way, every single one of us has a death date, but I have the assurance, and many of you do too, that when I die, death will not be my end but be the beginning of an eternal life in heaven. I know that I'm gonna see my dad again because his faith was in the same Jesus and he led the way, and I can't wait for that moment. The Bible says God has put eternity, God has put this sense of eternity in all of our hearts, and we know this. We sense that there's something more beyond the grave, an eternity that awaits us, and a loving God who wants us there to be with him. God so loves this world. God so loves each one of us that he sent his son. He came in flesh called the incarnation. God becoming flesh to live, die to pay for sins, and then break the curse that anyone who receives him puts their belief in him will have that same promise. I've got a very close relationship with my daughter, Meg. Uh, We don't, we're very much alike. We don't say a lot. You think I say a lot because you see me on the weekends, but normally I don't say much at all. And she's kind of like that. And we're both kind of white and black and right and wrong. And I love that about her. Our love and loyalty for each other is inseparable. And whenever we have to say goodbye to each other, uh, the emotion is right there, and it jumps right into my throat. Ten years ago, she and uh, her husband Nellie were moving 3,000 miles to the island of Dominica to start med school. And I will never forget the night before they left. Meg and I were sitting on the couch together watching TV, and neither of us could even talk about the next morning when they would get on a plane and we'd be separated from each other for two years and 3,000 miles. But the moment finally came, and I had just spoken at church and I had to get up early again Sunday morning to to be here before anybody got up. So Saturday night, the moment came, nine o'clock news came on, and without looking at each other, I just reached over and I pulled her close and we just cried. No words, we just cried and we embraced. There was nothing I could say, there was nothing I could do to remove the absolute agony of what I was feeling. The agony of being separated from the most precious thing to us in the whole world. But as bad as that was, what would be unbearable to me is if that separation was forever. If I knew that was the last time I would ever see her for all eternity, I would not be able to bear it. And I'm telling you, that's how God feels about every one of you. If I, as a sinful, flawed dad, love my daughter that much, imagine how much our heavenly Father, who's perfect in all his ways, imagine how much he loves each of you. He's crazy about you. He can't stand the thought of spending eternity without you. He would go to any length to save you. He would come to earth himself if he had to. He would take on the form of a man, fully God, fully man. He would die for our sins. He would rise from the dead. He would beg us to step through the door of faith to spend eternity with him. And most of you have done that. And you're so thankful for forgiveness. You're so thankful for Jesus. But others of you have a parent or a brother or a sibling or a friend, and you don't know if they've walked through that open door of faith. And I'm telling you, that's why we do what we do as a church. That's why we urge you to keep inviting, keep praying, to never give up so that one day they too can be rescued and saved for all eternity. Gang, I'm telling you, it really matters what you believe. It really matters who you believe. It's a life or death matter. You can be sincere about something and be sincerely wrong, but there is a way to heaven, there is a way to eternal life, and it's through Jesus Christ. And so as we come to a close, and I want to lead you in a prayer, there's got to be a few of you who are just a little wobbly on this. But maybe you've heard something or sang something today, and you you say, you know what? I've got to get on that path. And so let me lead you in a closing prayer of faith. And I just encourage you, if you haven't done this, put your hand in the hand of Jesus, and he'll lead you through. He'll take you out of any grave you're in and he will pull you to salvation. He will. If not him, who and how? He is our savior. He is the way. He is the truth. When you read this book, it's like reading truth, guide you, feed your soul. He is the truth. He is the life. He makes you come alive like nobody can do. He's the answer. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word, for your love. Thank you that you didn't just create us and spin us out into space and say, good luck. that you so love this world, you so loved me and every one of us, you came to this planet, put on flesh, walked among us, took a beating, died the most cruel death anybody could die to experience all the pain that we experience took on the sin of the world, my sin. You died because of me. and So I put my faith in you. You might be sitting here or watching online and you need to pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you for your forgiveness, your offer of forgiveness. Thank you that you've provided a way. Right now I put my hand in yours. By faith, it's not anything I've done. I can't work my way like so many are trying in this world. I need forgiveness. And so right now, Jesus, I accept. I receive forgiveness of my sins. Thank you for paying for it. Thank you for providing away. Right now, I get on that way by putting my trust in you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a fantastic weekend, everybody. God bless you.